How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. What is up, everybody? This is Ryan here. You are going to be in for a treat today. We got Andrew Rosner on today, who I interviewed, and he's got an unbelievable story close to nine figures in revenue with only seven people in his company. Absolutely insane. On top of it, too, he has the first record label in a project he did with Timberland in the metaverse based on the Bored Ape NFT structures. Absolutely crazy. Fascinating discussion on some of the things he talks about and booted off as well. He basically changed his entire business around a white paper that he created before COVID was known to the world based on some research he did. Absolutely fascinating. You got to check it out. You're not going to want to miss this one. Welcome everybody to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley. I have a very special guest with me today. I have Andrew Rosner. He is the founder and the CEO of the number one domain brokerage firm in the world, Media Options, and is also co-founder of Ape In Productions, which is the world's first NFT-based music group inspired by the Board Ape Yacht Club which created the world's first metaverse record label. And he also founded it in partnership with Timbaland. What's up, Andrew? Happy to have you on the show, man. Welcome. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Glad to be here. Yeah, you have one of the coolest backgrounds that I've ever had with a, with a guest on the show. So I'm really excited to dig in and I love all the uh, diversity. Yeah, I mean, the background's a mess, but there's, you know, there's <laughs> kind of stories behind every little trinket and tchotchke uh, <laughs> item. Yeah. That that's what makes the world go around is stories, man. So look, before Absolutely. we get too deep, <laughs> before we get too deep in your story, though, let's do a real quick revenue rundown just so people have perspective on where you're kind of at in your journey. So where are you at in terms of a range for your AR or your revenue? Yeah, so I mean, we don't have a recurring revenue. We're we're, we're basically a, a service oriented business for the most part. You know, kind of like a market maker. Um, and so, um, we do high eight figures, uh, in, in revenue top line. Um, perfect. Okay. Yeah. What's your, so what's your go to market strategy? Is it sales led, marketing led, market led, product led? What, what's your, what's your approach with that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, um, there's sort of two sides to that. So I would say it's hundred percent sales led, but you know, the sales is led by the product. So you know, we're selling the world's top domain names. So we are really hyper-focused on what we like to say is the top 2% of domain names um, is really our market. And, and we really dominate that market. So, you know, I think it, uh, the statistic and, you know, don't put a gun to my head, but it's more or less, we have about 37% global market share on domain sales uh, above $50,000, right? And so the majority of our deals are $100,000 and up. Um, but we have, um, you know, uh, the lion's share of the market on, on high value domain names. And, um, and so, you know, we're, we have sort of two sides to the, th- really three sides to the business. We have the owned and operated portfolio, which, which, you know, is domain names that we have, some of which are, you know, uh, we've owned for 20, 30 years. And then we have, um, the brokerage side of the business, which is split into two, we have buy side representation and sell side representation, just like a real estate broker. Uh, you know, we refer to domain names as digital real estate or internet real estate, um, which I think is an appropriate uh, analogy. And, um, 
uh, on the buy sides, which is today the majority of the brokerage business, um, it, it used to be more sell side, but today it's more buy side. And, um, you know, in essence, we um, uh, are either approaching startups that we think uh, are at an opportune time to upgrade their domain name to, you know, their exact brandmatch.com domain name, um, or uh, they're approaching us. Uh, to assist them in acquiring that that same domain name, um, and then on the sales side, it's you know sellers coming to us and saying, "I've got this domain name. You know, I, my business is shut down, or you know, uh, my husband died, and this used to be his company, or you know, for there's a variety of reasons why these things come back to market, but um, or it's just a, a speculator. Uh, but it, you know, somebody's approaching us with a very high value domain name, and uh, we are then going out and uh, you know matching that domain name to an appropriate end user that can benefit from owning it. Okay. Love that, man. I'm really excited to dig into that. How big is your team? Um, let's see. I think we're eight people in total. Seven or eight, seven or eight people, yeah. That's, that's, mm-hmm. some, uh, that's pretty efficient uh, revenue per employee. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of our signature. People, people, uh, you know, our, our next biggest competitor, I believe, has like 160 employees, um, and we, you know, do a materially more uh, top line revenue um, on the domain sales. So, um, yeah, uh, it's true. Um, um, you know, I, I bootstrap the business from day one, and that's awesome. Yeah, it's just, it's, uh, yeah. And how long have you been in business then? Just to give people perspective, to get to a seven, just so people have a roadmap about it. In, in, in this business? This, yeah. So this business has gone through multiple iterations um, um, in structures, but, you know, let's say, um, you know, high level, uh, you know, without getting into all the details, uh, we started the business, my wife and I, uh, in 2008. Wow. So four, 14 years. That's awesome. 14-year business, 2008, high eight figures, only seven employees, 37% global market share over 50K. That's pretty cool, man. So let so yeah. <laughs> you said multiple iterations and things along those lines. So that's where you're at now. But what did it take you to get here, right? And then feel free to in, in, integrate what you kind of talked about with the, the NFT music label as well, if you'd like to, because uh, I think that's kind of a cool... Mm-hmm project that you're working on as well. But yeah, I'd love to hear how you got to that point um, now and and what it kind of took for you to get there. So, um, (laughs) uh, all right. Well, uh, in the first year, I mean, uh, you know, basically uh, I had about $300,000 in savings. um, And, uh, you know, when I went full time into this business, right, uh, I had started sort of collecting domain names in, in the 90s already. But when I decided this was a market that I wanted to go tackle full time, um, that was 2008. And we had about $300,000 of savings and, you know, said, all right, look, we got one year. We're going to go give this thing a shot and it's either going to make it or it's going to break. And, um, you know, we right up to the last month, you know, we were just burning through our cash. And, um, you know, we, we, we got lucky with a couple of hits. And, um, you know, got us through another day and, and sort of year two, things started to go better. 
you know, and it sort of feeds, it fed off each other, right? So, so it was like, look, this is not a very liquid environment or not a very liquid industry. These assets are valuable, but they're not liquid. And so um, when we were able to sell a good asset for a good price, word travels fast. And then that led to more people coming to us to help them sell their domains. And so that obviously helped fill our pipeline. And the more full our pipeline was, the more consistent we could account on, you know, deals falling out the other end of that pipeline. And so, um, you know, I think really it just took it. it, it, I I mean, it seems cliche. It's what everybody says. But truly, this business, there was no secret sauce. You know, I I have maybe a, a sort of a natural talent for sales. I enjoy sales. It's something I've done my whole life in in, in a variety of, of forms. And so um, I think it really just took pounding the pavement, you know, literally dialing for dollars, you know, hundreds of emails a day, just grinding to, you know, make it work, really. It literally was just you know, brute force, um, you know, willpower that is just, you know, I, I, making it happen. And then, you know, and then you get a tailwind and you've got some reputation behind you and you've got more consistent deal flow. And, um, so and then quick, it's like, okay, let's... Can I interrupt you on that? What, what yeah, did sure. you, because this is a great point and I want to emphasize this. At what year do you feel like you, you started to like get that consistent deal flow and you started to get that tailwind? You mentioned you know, one year, year one, you just made it, you know, down in the wire. Year two is getting better. Was this year three, year four? When did you start to feel like? Yeah, it was probably, I, it's hard for me to pin down it today, but like it's year three or four was like when I started to feel comfortable, okay. like, you know, I, I actually, I can tell you, I promise you, I wasn't comfortable, but I was <laughs> at a point where it was like, all right, we have a business. This is, this is, you know, this, it, it's still up to me to, but, but it, this can work if I can keep executing. Um, you know, it, it, let's say the vision of I can build this. This the, the, there's a path forward by which this is a successful business that can continue to grow and not stagnate. You know, it was probably somewhere in later year three or year four. It was probably in that vicinity, okay. um, and then you know, and, and it really started compounding from there. Um, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, we, we, uh, it, it was funny. We literally launched this business right, literally as the 2008 financial uh, collapse happened. It was like, that was also sort of part of the reason. It was kind of like, you know, it was just the whole world was bad news. Everybody's losing jobs. And it was like, ah, I don't need this. Like, let's go. Let's, you know. Well, I started, go I started start thing. right at the, uh, the initial peak of COVID, man. So I'm right. I'm right there with you in terms of the uh, absolute shitstorm, and just be like, "Hey, let's just jump in. Might as well try something new. The world's falling apart right now." You know, there's a lot of people. A lot of people did the exact same thing, and that benefited our business. You know, COVID. I've got a pretty good story. Um, you know, I, I was really early in identifying COVID. So January January eighth is the first time it came on my radar. And I started reading about it. January 14th, I basically had such high conviction that this was going to be a major issue. I started like, you know, telling my family and my friends and everybody's telling me I'm a kook. And then um, I, I wrote a white paper about what I thought the implications of this were going to be. I went and presented it at my child, children's school, you know, wow. trying to prepare them. They were like, whoa, dude, you are, you know, you're, you're on some other plane. We're not there, uh, you know, but, you know, thank you for your time. 
Um, and, um, um, you know, I had an all hand, I think it was like, you know, I was supposed to be a keynote speaker at a, a domain name conference on January 21 or 23, January 18th. I canceled that. I was like, I'm not getting on a plane. You know, I, I live in Portugal, so I would have been flying to Austin, Texas. And I said, all right, I'm not doing it. Now, granted, hindsight, I was way too early, you know, to not be getting on a plane. That was, it was basically zero risk at that point. But, but wait, um, wait, Andrew, you know, I, you I was know? hypersensitive. How did you know? Sorry to cut you off, man. This is, this is a great point. How did you know, though, in January, where everybody else is like still not realizing it and really until the market took a dump, what, in that March? March. How did you know at that point, like in your soul, enough to write a white paper, enough to go to your kid's school, enough to do like, how did you know? Enough to sell be- 100% of all my equities. I, I was the guy on the other side of that trade when everybody was dumping, uh, you know, March, whatever it was. Uh, you know, man, I, I made a lot, a lot of money buying up, uh, cheap shares. Um, uh, how'd you know? Yeah. How did you know, man, in January? Well, like, what, what tipped you off? Because this is like fascinating to me that you would have the foresight uh, to be ahead of probably 99.8% of the world in terms of like realizing how, like how big and how, how world changing it was going to be. It's funny. My, my white paper ended up circulating, you know, like you, you can imagine like, you know, our clients are, are, are generally speaking, large companies that everybody's heard of or, you know, fast growing startups with a lot of venture cap backing. Um, and, and so um, I shared it with quite a few of our clients. And, um, you know, it, it sort of fast forward a few months and a lot of, you know, a lot of them came back to me and being like, what the fuck? How did you know? Uh, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, go for it, man. Okay. So they're, you know, they're like, what the fuck? How did, how did you, how did you know this? You know, and, and, and it circulated among some really uh, powerful individuals. Um, and, um, um, you know, I, the truth is, I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, I, I could get into a pretty kooky little story, uh, but um, probably not for today's show. Um, but, you know, I, I guess I would attribute it to one thing, which is like, look, I was really early in domain names. I was really early in Bitcoin. I was really early in Ethereum. I was really early in a lot of things. I don't think I'm that clever. I don't, I, I'm not, you know, a particular, I'm not a math whiz. You know, I, I, I read a lot, uh, but I, I don't think that I'm, you know, exceptionally intelligent. I don't have a time machine. I think that my greatest asset is my instinct. So I practice consciously on a constant basis, listening to and trying to uh, abide by my instincts. And so, you know, I think I do have quite honed and, and, and sensitive instincts um, and they have served me very well. And I would say that the times when I followed my gut or my instincts, um, I have led to much better outcomes than when I've tried to follow data or follow the herd or follow popular opinion or, you know, whatever. Um, I, you know, and I think that's just it. I, I just remember reading about a virus and I think it was the tone of the article or, or it was the way that it was spreading that led me to just believe like, Ooh, there's more to this story. And the more I dug down, the more sort of obfuscation there seemed to be. And that's generally an indication that there's, you know, it's worse than it appears. Um, across anything. And, um, you know, I have zero medical background, zero medical, um, uh, uh, experience. And so, um, you know, it wasn't any of that. I think it really was just 
instincts. It was just, you know, this appears to be something other than what they're saying it is. And it appears to be worse. And, um, and, um, you know, I, I very quickly, I, I basically, what led me to getting very alarmed was like, I, I identified a problem. And then when I became really alarmed about it was when I started reading about how viruses reproduce, how that's measured in this R naught, right? Uh, the reproduction factor. And, um, you know, I just did the math. It was like really, you know, not complicated stuff. It was like, okay, well, um, you know, the R naught at that time, I think was, I, I don't remember exactly, but it was like three, you know, or something like that. And it was like, all right, so it's highly contagious and each person is going to spread it to three people on average. And it was like, you know, the law of exponential math, that gets to be a pretty big number pretty quickly. Um, and uh, yeah. So anyways, wow. That's so awesome, anyways that wasn't the point of the story. The point of the story was <laughs> I identified that really early this was going to be a big problem. And so I called this all hands on deck meeting. It was probably like the first week of February. And I said, guys, look, here's the deal. This thing is coming down the pike. It is going to disrupt everything. Like, I, I didn't know they were going to shut the world off, but it, it, it was clear that this was going to be a major uh, issue. And, you know, I said, look, in the face of a global pandemic, um, you know, I just don't anticipate people wanting to pay six and seven figures to buy domain names. And so I was like, look, I have set aside enough cash. We've got 12 months of runway to pay salaries and expenses, right? And so that starts here, February 1st. For the next 12 months, you know, we're going to put our heads down. We're going to do whatever we can. Now, my team has been distributed. I've never had a central office ever, right? So, so I've been playing digital nomad, decentralized team since I started this business. And so there was really no pivoting to be done on that front. We, you know, all, all, the way that we communicate, the way that we meet, the way that all this stuff didn't change, it just got easier because of Zoom. And so, um, um, which by the way, zoom.com was, was one of our domain names. We, we sold that to them right before they went absolutely bonkers, uh, but we still sold it for a lot of money. So um, um, uh, I said, guys, look, uh, our business is probably going to zero. You know, we, we had just come off the best year in the history of our company. And I said, look, there's a global pandemic coming. I've set aside this cash. You know, you all have a job for the next 12 months. In 12 months, we're going to lift our heads up and we're going to see what we've got. But my expectation is that there will be no more business. Like, this is going to have a massive economic impact and businesses are not going to be in the mood to spend. They're going to be trying to conserve cash. They're going to be probably laying people off and it's going to be you know, pain. It's going to be max pain. And so um, February was a relatively slow month, but we did fine. We didn't lose money. And then March hit and, and, you know, we all know what happened. Markets all went, you know, correlation of one tanked free fall, uh, absolute chaos and mayhem. Everybody's, you know, shutting the world off insane global policies. And so, um, you know, it was like, all right, this is what I was expecting uh, or, or more than I was expecting. And so, you know, basically re-emphasized my, my expectations. And um, 
you know, uh, March, we lost money for the first time in the history of my company. And um, then April, we had a heartbeat. And then May was pretty good. No, May was turned out, no, sorry. April, like, had a heartbeat. May turned out to be the best month in the history of the company ever. Wow. June was even better. July, August slowed down, um, uh, which is pretty typical for our business. And then September, October, it started to pick up again. November was a boom. December was a boom. January, February, March, April, boom. And then, uh, you know, sort of typical slowdown again. And, um, you know, we just came off the two best years in the history of the company back to back, you know, from 2020 to 2021, almost 300% year over year growth. Um, you know, 2019 to 2020 was almost, uh, it was about a hundred percent year over year growth. And so, you know, just boom, just absolute boom. And it's precisely what you said earlier. And I'm sorry, that was a very long winded, you know, way of getting here, but, um, you know, a lot of people in the face of COVID were like, you know what, what's the risk of me trying something else because they were laid off because they're now working from home because of more free time, you know, whatever it might be. A lot of people went off and started a side hustle. A lot of people went off and started a new business. And so, you know, all of those things require domain names. And, uh, and so the domain business boomed. Okay. So great story. Love, love that. Love, love, love all the twists and turns. So what would you say is the number one single biggest reason on how you're able to grow 300% year over year and then 100% year over year to get to high figures? Like what, what did you do um, to grow your company at that rate? Outside of the leadership components you just exemplified, but let's get like tactical. Like what did you do to make that a reality? Because that's ridiculously impressive. So I'd just love to hear that. Yeah, I mean, from a tactical standpoint, there really isn't that much. I mean, our business, you know, uh, from, from an operational standpoint, is a pretty boring business. You know, it's like there's not that many things that we can do. Um, you know, we basically what I would say is, look, you know, we all set our expectations that this business was going to get very, very tough. And so I think with that expectation, everybody sort of, you know, leveled up their grit. And, you know, put a little more hustle in and, um, you know, basically looked at it like their job was on the line, you know, their livelihood was on the line, the business was on the line. And so I think, you know, people tend to, or, or let's say high achievers, high performers tend to outperform in difficult circumstances. So I think there's that. And I don't think that is, I think that's, um, shouldn't be ignored. Um, the only thing really tactical that we did was um, to sort of evaluate, all right, what are the core competencies? What are the things that set us apart from our competition? And I think that came down to two things. And one was, you know, our leadership in uh, domain name valuation. So we've basically spent the better part of a decade, you know, really working hard on trying to um, substantiate and, 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 um, uh, um, uh, you know, exemplify for lack of a better word, um, how to create a objective data driven model for the value of a domain name, because 99.999% of the world, whether they're in the domain business or not in the domain business, but even 99% of the people in the domain business 
have very arbitrary valuations for the domain names. You say, what's your, you know, how much for your domain? And they go, uh, I don't know. I feel like buying a Ferrari today. So my domain is worth $500,000, right? Or uh, my wife wants to go on a vacation to Barbados and that's going to cost me $17,000. So my domain is $17,000. And you're like, well, one thing has nothing to do with the other. And that's a, you know, I think that is one of the big reasons why the reputation of the domain industry and the reputation of domain investors has been quite sour. Um, but, um, you know, we've created this valuation methodology that is really objective. You can't argue with it. It's 100% data-driven. It's about, you know, reducing through a variety of manners how your domain name will reduce your cost of customer acquisition is ultimately what it boils down to. Um, now, it, it, that is a very long conversation how that works. So it's probably, again, not appropriate for today. But really honing in on trying to get people to understand that the valuations that we're discussing, whether it's on the buy side or on the sell side, these are objective. Now, sometimes that subjective value, whether it's to the upside or the downside of the subject of, of the objective value, um, ends up being closer to the price. But uh, did I lose you, Ryan? Anyways. Um, but for the most part, uh, it is all about, um, uh, you know, the, the, the data-driven approach. It's about the total addressable market with your domain name, the keyword that's in it, or the acronym. It's about uh, what are advertisers willing to pay to Google for that re- relative keyword. Um, you know, it's about, um, um, you know, a, a lot of data. It's like 30-something odd uh, variables that go into this formula. But it's about measuring your market, measuring the value of that market, measuring your conversion rate in that market, measuring um, you know improvements in conversion rate, improvements of click through rate, you know things like this. And so um, we are able to arrive at a valuation uh, that's very difficult for people to argue with. And so that allows us to get an extremely, I mean, our, our conversion rate on sales is probably like five or, or even 10x higher than almost anybody else in my industry. I'm not you know, intimately familiar with the conversion rates of, of privately held businesses in my industry, obviously, but I do see my competition, You know, they've got a newsletter with a list of domains and we can go back 12 months later and see how many of those did, did they sell. And, and on, on average, it's you know, two to 4%. And we're converting in excess of 60 to 70% of the domains that we take on for brokerage or the domains that we get hired to go out and acquire. And I can tell you that, you know, maybe some of that is attributed to, you know, our stellar sales capabilities, but I think really what it comes down to is our ability to justify the price. And then the second thing uh, is, um, um, you know, I've been doing this for a very long time now. Uh, We have, you know, I have to believe the largest network uh, uh, in the world uh, of any business of our nature. And so, you know, leaning into that network and going out and saying, guys, you know, hey, um, we helped you to acquire XYZ.com. I hope business is going well. Uh, You know, we're uh, looking to drum up more business. Uh, I mean, this is not a great sales page. I'm just sort of roughing it here. But it's like going out to those people and saying, hey, if you know anybody else that's looking to acquire a domain name for their business, please refer them over to us and we're happy to pay referral fees, right? Uh, and, and, and 
most companies say, no, we don't want anything. But, you know, by the way, yeah, uh, this other portfolio company that we have or this other company that I'm friends with or this other company that came through Y Combinator with me or this other company that, you know, I had some other accelerator with, uh, you know, they really could use a domain because they've got some prefix or suffix on their domain name or they're using a .xyz or a .io or a .co. And wouldn't it be great if they could have the .com? And so, you know, that referral, you know, that sort of word of mouth referral thing that we really lean into um, strongly, I think that was a huge help. And again, you know, just our leadership in domain valuation. I think those were really the two big linchpins. Well, and I'm a big believer of referrals. Have you systemized referrals like at a certain point in the sales cycle no. at all or no? No, we really should, but we haven't. Yeah, no. that's, that's one of the things that... <laughs> I've been doing a lot of work in helping companies systemize it. Probably about 95% of companies don't, but they say the exact same thing that you do. They're like, yeah. we should, right? <laughs> but we, but we haven't yet, but we're going to, we're going to do it. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, yes. and like, I've seen it too with my clients, like you'll get deals that close in like half the amount of time at like twice the conversion rate because that trust is already there, you know? So it's hundred percent. And tr- trust is literally the oil that makes the world go around, right? It's it's the oil that lubricates, you know, the gears of commerce. Um, it, it really is. It's, it's, it's I remarkable. I love that, man. And, and so uh, one, one question that, that came to mind as you were talking through, what's the largest domain sale that you've ever done? Um, Not to say the name, but I'm just curious, dollar amounts. Like how, how valuable uh, dollar do you think yeah. a domain is? Or, or, yeah, what, what would you say? Yeah, uh, just under $30 million. Okay. So, yeah. And the highest reported domain sale ever is from Michael Saylor, the CEO of uh, MicroStrategy, very famous now for being the largest, uh, uh, I believe, the largest uh, individual uh, uh, Bitcoin owner in the world. Uh, but before he was a, 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 a Bitcoin savant, he was. Um, uh, uh, a pretty uh, substantial domain owner. He owned, you know, small portfolio, maybe 30, 50 names, but phenomenal domain names like, you know, Mike.com, Michael.com, uh, uh, Hope.com. Um, he owned Voice.com, which was sold to a crypto company that was going to try and compete with Facebook. Um, and he sold it for $30 million. Um, so I think that's the largest publicly reported domain sale. There are domain sales that happen well above that number, um, but they're private. Um, and our domain, our largest domain sale is just under that number. But we regularly, regularly sell domain names in the you know for for you know between one million and up, um, and almost daily sell them in the six figures. Um, I mean, again, I think it comes down to you know what is the purpose of domain name and. You know, domain names are all about creating a smooth um, digital experience for your customer, whether that's, you know, uh, directionally or from a conversion standpoint or a trust standpoint. You know, ultimately, we just talked about trust and it's like, what is a dom- what does a great domain name do? Well, ultimately, it instills trust into uh, the customer or the vendor or the employee or whatever it might be. And so... Um, you know, I think a phenomenal domain name that, that, that is sort of widely understood to be valuable um, tells people that this company isn't a fly by night. They're here to stay. They, they've invested in their brand. They, you know, are they have you know, future ambitions with their with their brand. And so, um, you know, I think Bill Gates said, uh, you know, there is absolutely no investment that your company will make 
that is more important than investing in your brand. Um, so, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm talking about probably slaughtered that, but, but the, the, the underlying meaning is the same. He, he was just saying, look, invest in your brand. It's the, it's the place that'll have the highest ROI for you. So, um, um, I think that's what a domain does. And I think that, you know, getting people to understand what that ROI could be, uh, from a conversion rate standpoint, from a click through standpoint, from a trust standpoint, from, you know, it, it depends on the type of business, right? If you're talking about a B2B business and it might not be about conversion rates and stuff, but it is about trust and it's about security, data security, you know, email security, uh, data loss packet, you know, there's a lot of different angles. There's, you know, the offensive, which is, you know, conversion rates, click-through rates. And then there's the defensive, which is, you know, email loss, traffic loss, phishing, uh, you know, the ability to uh, prevent phishing and, and, and other types of uh, scams. Um, so I think, it, it, you know, it, it, it changes with the business, but those are the main, you know, outcomes that we're trying to help them understand. Yeah, so uh, uh, mediaoptions.com is our domain brokerage firm. Uh, the parent company is DomainX, DomainX.com. Um, we have a variety of other businesses under, under that umbrella. And um, uh, apein.com is uh, uh, our NFT uh, uh, project that, that we launched in, in uh, uh, partnership with Timberland, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, Drew.com is sort of my personal website. It ne- needs some significant updating. It hasn't been updated in a long time, so... Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, don't hold me to, uh, to the uh, website design, but, um, yeah, those are the best places to find me. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I love Twitter. I'm on Twitter at, at Andrew Rosner, R-O-S-E-N-E-R. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you for checking out the scale up show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.